What's up, everyone, and welcome to the School District Podcast. My name is Adam. Welcome. This is my podcast. I'm the host, and I really hope you enjoy all the conversations I have with educators all over the world. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and share your favorite conversations with colleagues or anyone you think would enjoy. If you're looking for a book to read, I've written four Kids Deserve It, Run Like a Pirate, Empower Our Girls, and Teachers Deserve It. As you can imagine, they are all available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. And if you'd rather listen to the words than read them, Kids Deserve It is also on Audible as an audiobook. And if you're looking for a keynote speaker for some professional development or a kickoff with your staff or a conference, I would love to work with you. I've given well over 300 keynotes all across across North America with breakout sessions, coaching, leadership strands, ed tech, you name it, and I would love to work with you. You can email me directly, adamwelcome at gmail.com, or you can go to my website, mradamwelcome.com, for more information about speaking and also my other podcast and blog. Stephanie Pitzer, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you so much. Super, super excited to have you on. Everybody go to Twitter right now. Stephanie Pitzer, Stephanie with an F and then P-I-T-Z-E-R. I'm going to link it in the show notes as well. K-8 principal, former instructional coach, former teacher. Stephanie, for the people out there that just don't know who you are, give us some more background and kind of get everybody up to speed. All right. Well, I'm entering or not entering. I'm in my 17th year as an educator. So I actually started as a second grade teacher and I did that for 11 years and lived my very best life. Um, (laughs) I think second grade is that perfect age. They're old enough to know some of the basics, but they're young enough to still love all things school. And I as a teacher, I think that's such an important tool to harness as they get older, because I think they start to lose that. So how can we Um, amp that up a little bit. Um, And then I became an instructional coach and I went from a second grade classroom to an instructional coach for K through 12. Um, And I did that for four years and that taught me a lot of things. And I, I think that's kind of where my leadership journey kind of took place. And I never thought that I could do secondary. I just thought elementary was my jam. And I think there's a big part of my heart that's elementary. Um, But instructional coaching was lovely. And then I became, I'm in my second year as a principal in a K-8 building. And I, I have loved every part of that journey. It's been a good one. It's taught me a lot of things. Um, but that's, that's kind of where that is. I'm a mom. I have two boys. I have a 10 year old and a, um, a six year old and they, they keep me on my toes, (laughs) but they're good. Um, and I've been married for 12 years. Nice. So let's talk about instructional coaches. I was in Virginia recently, like talking to like 15 instructional coaches and no disrespect at all to instructional coaches. I was, I was one for a year. It was like the California version of an instructional coach. And it's like a, it's, it's a weird position from the standpoint of, you know, you're not in the classroom, but you're not an administrator and you don't like, you know, you don't evaluate and you have to work with people and you want to get them to do the things that the district wants them to do. But, you know, through the principal and it's, I just mean, it's weird in that standpoint, like, where do you fit? So from like a leadership lesson standpoint, what do you take away 
from your time as an instructional coach that you now use as a principal? I think being an instructional coach, because I was non-evaluative, I was going in and having conversations with teachers about best instructional practices. And that has really helped me be an instructional leader as a principal, because I had so many opportunities to have those authentic, off the record conversations. And now as a principal, that's helped me have evaluative conversations. It's, it's made those discussions stronger. It's made my knowledge base that much larger so that I can support my staff. And since I'm a K-8, even though I didn't teach in secondary classrooms as a teacher, I was an instructional coach for middle school. So I feel like that gives buy-in with my staff because I was in so many different types of classrooms. Yeah, I hear that a lot from people, just the opportunity to have conversations with people. You're just kind of honing your craft of communication and talking and, and not trying to like convince teachers to do something, but how to like get them to a place where they're feeling comfortable, they're feeling supported. And then like to your point as a principal, then you're having those evaluative conversations, which is just kind of the next level. Stephanie, let's talk mom life. Let's talk principal life. Let's talk wife life. How do you approach all of that as a mom, as a principal, as a wife, as a human being, just having a family and everything that goes along with it? Well, you know, I think there are highlight reel moments and there are work in progress moments. <laughs> I, I, I was actually listening to one of your other episodes on this podcast and I, I heard you say it's finding a balance like that's just really that's hard to do. It really is. And I don't know that that's I don't know that there's a perfect balance. I think what it comes down to is making sure that if, because if my cup isn't full, then I can't fill the cups of others. And so I think it all, I, I start there and then that's how I plan out the rest of my life with um, my family. I also think it's important that when I first get home, that I, I have to prioritize being with my family. And that's a good, like, calm down moment for me too. Like I have to put school away for a moment because my boys want to tell me all about their day and, or they don't want to talk school. <laughs> they don't want to hear the principal mom talking. <laughs> they just want to hear mom talking. So I have to take off that hat sometimes, which, which can be hard. Um, but my husband and I started doing, we try to have more date nights where it's just us going and being adults and not talking about education as much as I love to, just having those things that we look forward to. Um, and then we're really big on adventures as a family, like, and it's about the experiences. And I think creating those with my own family then helps me be refreshed and recharged to go and do that for my students and my staff. Yeah, well, I think you had, I also think you had a good example when you were a teacher, we have a mutual friend, shout out to Mandy Ellis, who mm -hmm. was your principal as a teacher who yes, you know, has, a, has a family and she's busy and she does a lot of things. But I think, I think also to that modeling piece is so important. So you can see, oh, okay, somebody else is doing it. Here's some ways that I can do it. So when I'm in that position, hopefully I can, I can gravitate towards those things as well. Right. Yes. My superintendent, uh, currently, um, Tim Dotson, he has been an excellent role model for me in that regard too. Um, because he, he walks that walk and talks that talk of a balanced home mm -hmm. life. And he's really good at saying, okay, you're going home today and we're not checking email or you're going to go be mom today because that's what you need to do. And school will be here when you get back. Um, we've got it handled. And I, I think being able to work 
in those environments, like when I worked with Mandy and now working with Tim, I, I have someone higher up that models that for me. And so it makes it that much easier to balance my life. Yeah. Special shout out to Mandy because she was episode one of That's this right. podcast, like <laughs> over two years ago, Mandy, what's going on? She has a new job. Actually, we yes. have to get her, uh, get her back on the podcast. Stephanie, how do you plan your day? And then once your day starts, how do you prioritize your day? Because your calendar says one thing and then depending on what happens at your school, something else happens. So kind of how, like, what's your approach to all of that? So I think going in with the mindset of knowing that what is on my calendar, on my to-do list might not get done that day. Mm -hmm. And that was really, that's one of the things that I struggled with initially as a principal, because I like to check the boxes. Um, But going in with that mindset of knowing, here's what I think the day could look like, but being flexible and adaptable to know that it might have to alter because I just don't know where the needs are going to be necessarily. Um, I like to do a quick walkthrough first thing um, because I think it's really important to start my day off on a positive foot. So I like to walk through, I call them learning strolls. um, And I just spend anywhere from two to five minutes in each classroom, um, just, you know, interacting with kids, seeing how everyone's doing. And um, then I, push all that out on our social media. So my community can see day in the life. This is what it looks like. And that's a really good way for me to start the day. Um, And then I can go back to the office and go, okay, what is the most important thing? And I always keep what is best for kids at the heart of all decisions, because at the end of the day, that's what drives what we do. And if we're doing what's best for kids, then we've done, we've done the job for the day. Even if we didn't check all the boxes, we did what we were supposed to do because it's about them and it's about their empowerment and their engagement. Yeah, no, I, uh, I could not agree more. How do we make being a principal sustainable and like you know this this is a huge question because there's things that like the federal government can do there's things that each state can do there's things that each school district can do but like you as a practicing principal right now like what do you think you can do and then maybe like hey we could as an educational ecosystem maybe do this or get rid of that or try this do you have any ideas on that oh that's i feel like that's such a, a a great question i feel like right now we're always pulled in so many different directions. So I feel like if there was just a way for us, for everyone to remember, it has to come back to the kids Mm. always and forever. Um, And I think it, it comes down to then looking at how do we get kids to be lifelong learners and love that, that learning. And I think sometimes when we have all these mandates and these certain things, it can feel so heavy So I think as a principal, it's making sure that I'm taking care of myself and then I'm taking care of my staff and building that rapport and relationship with staff. Um, And I think it's giving us time. I think so often things come about and you have two weeks, you have one month. Oh, it's July (laughs) and congratulations, this starts in August. And um, I, I think that's a really important piece and that ongoing conversation piece, I think is what needs to come from all of the powers that be, because we have these new mandates, these new initiatives, and then we never talk about them again, or we don't keep that conversation going. And I think that that's, that has to be a key in moving forward. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. Or we, or we just layer them on 
on top of all the other things and we actually never get rid of the layers and then there's so many layers you can't even see what the original thing was or what five years ago was and you're like are we still doing that who's implementing it who's it for who's funding it do we have the money for it i mean and and sometimes i think we as educators we over complicate and simplify almost at the simultaneously. I don't know how we do it. I think it's pretty impressive that we do that, both of those things, but I think we just have to step back. And like you said, peel off those layers and get down to the root of what it is we, what it is kids need and what it, we're going to do to get them there. We, it always has to come back to that. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like you think of like a business, you think of like Mattel and the toys they make, or you think about Chipotle, you know, Chipotle has new items on the menu. And then after a year or after two years, Mattel isn't selling a certain type of toy. Do you know what they do? They stop carrying it and they take it off the shelf and they take it off the menu because it's costing them money. It's costing them money uh, from, you know, spoiling of food and having to ship it and all, all these other things. Yes. But like, I mean, if education, if Chipotle was education, there'd be like 6,000 things on the menu, right? No, right? I mean, like, and then it's nothing so much. I think like we just need to clean house and and prioritize in, uh, in so many right. ways. And, and giving support, I think as a principal, sometimes you feel like you're on an island because there might only be one administrator in that building, or mm-hmm. you might have a, a second one, but they're doing their administrative tasks that involve them in all the places. So I think just knowing that you have support and you're trusted to do your job, that makes that sustainable. And then you have outreach and networks of people that you can connect with, chat with, sometimes just say, get this. You need someone you can call and say, you'll never believe what I did today because we have to be able to talk through those things and work through it. Yeah. How, how do you find those people or how did you find those people? Because I still, I still talk to a lot of administrators around the country in my work that, that don't have that group. They, they haven't developed that professional learning network or that PLC or just have that kind of professional friend to, to call up and talk something through because our spouses get tired of these questions and they, and they get tired of hearing the stories and, and maybe they're actually not much help because they're not in the industry. So what advice could you give to somebody out there that maybe is feeling alone, like they're on an island and they, they need friends in the industry, in the field to, to kind of connect with? I definitely think you have to be willing to look outside your own district and sometimes even outside your own city or state for that matter. Um, I have found it really helpful to have a network of principals who work in all these neighboring districts and then making it a priority to meet, whether that be once a month, whether that be once a quarter, just to connect virtually in person, whatever it needs to happen. And sometimes there's an agenda and sometimes it's a It's not an agenda, but I think it's important to prioritize those connections with people. Um, I also think conferences, now that we're back to going to more of those in-person things, that's a great opportunity to connect with other people that have a similar role to you. Um, And then Twitter, of course, I feel like that just really expands your network tenfold because now you're looking on a global level and I mean, Twitter and Instagram are such great places to go and get ideas and connect with other people that are like-minded. Um, and I, I think people need to harness that power more, more than they do. I think it, it ebbs and flows, but I, I, that would be 
my go-tos for networking. Yeah. Speaking of conferences, we were talking before the podcast. I was like, how did we originally meet Stephanie? I've done, I've done a bunch of work in Illinois and we were having dinner with Mandy and Greg Fairchild, Greg Fairchild, shout out to Greg. He's an awesome longtime principal. And we were having dinner and you came and then I just, cause I feel like I've known you for like a long time. I I really do. It's (laughs) awesome. And, and you're one of those people that's just so fun and easy to talk to. You feel like you've known you for a long time, even if you, you, even if you haven't. So case in point, go to conferences. If people invite you to dinner with a big group, go to dinner yes. with a big group and uh, and connect with those people. Steph, how do you empower your teachers and other team members at your school? Um, oh, that's a great question. Um, I think it's important to create opportunities. First of all, building rapport is number one. I want in order to empower them, they have to trust me that I'm going to build that relationship and that I'm a trustworthy relational person. So I feel like that's always number one. Um, Then I feel like when it comes to empowering them, giving them the tools that they will need that are there when they need it in the way that they need it. Um, Just like we differentiate for our students, we have to differentiate for our staff. Um, And I think giving them opportunities to be leaders, to showcase the amazing things that they're doing within their classroom, and giving them a voice in how things go, you know, okay, we're planning professional development. What is it that you need? What is it that you want? I think hearing their voice in that is super important, giving them ownership and what that looks like. Um, I also think it's really important. One of my favorite things I've ever done, and I know I'm only in year two, um, but when I first started, the very first activity I did with staff was we designed a student engagement belief statement. And we like, I, I made this questionnaire of a whole bunch of different statements that are like, we think student engagement is this. And they went through and decided if they agreed or disagree. And they did that on their own. Then they came in small groups and talked about what are the similarities? What are the differences? And then we came together as a whole staff using those statements and created a definition of what that looks like. Not only did that unify us as a building, but then when I'm walking around in classrooms and evaluating for student engagement, that's my def- That's what I'm looking for. And mm-hmm. everyone knows this common language, this common vocabulary. The students see it because it's hanging on classroom walls. I think that was super empowering because we came together we came up with what that looks like. And now we have this voice and we, we evaluate it at midterm and then we evaluate it in the fall. What needs to change? What needs to be taken out? Or do we really love it? Um, and I think giving them that reflective opportunity also empowers them to know this is a fluid thing. And I want it to be what you need because at the end of the day, that's, that's my job. As a second year principal, you are rocking and rolling, my, oh my friend. Goodness, I'm sitting here so listening <laughs> to you and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like complex. It's deep. It's impactful. It's personal. You go back to it. You just don't do it and put it in a binder and put it on the no, shelf. It goes back and to those for... layers, right? I'm not yes. getting rid of the layers. I'm why keeping it simple. You... Well, and why did you do it in the first place? And where, where what's the purpose of it? And why are, you know, why you should continue to do it? Everybody listening, go to Twitter, Stephanie with an F Pitzer. If you want to know more, reach out to Stephanie. She's absolutely awesome. She will get back to you. If you want to like just learn more from her, follow follow her on Twitter. She's an absolute goldmine of ideas. Oh my goodness, thank you. <laughs> Speaking of team members, who is someone that is on your staff that you would like to give a shout out to? Oh, you know, my special education teacher, her name is Lisa Holt. Um, she... 
oh my goodness, she's a gem. Uh, she has really been persevering this year. We've had an, an increase in the amount of needs that my building needs um, when it comes to student learning and student growth. And she not only advocates for what students need, but she's also a lifelong learner. Like she models that. And when I'm looking for leaders in my building to try something new or then to go and share their learning with others, and I don't even have to prompt her to do that. She just naturally does it. It's so beautiful and organic and so passionate. And she's also taught me so much about how to work with students on regulating their emotions, which I think is a huge thing that all principals are probably going, I mean, all educators are dealing with right mm -hmm. now. Um, but she not only teaches me, she not only holds me accountable, but she holds herself accountable and just radiates pure joy throughout the building. So I, I'm so lucky that I've had the privilege to be her principal and um, she, she's my shout out for sure. Say her name one more time. Lisa Holt. Lisa Holt, shout out. So if you thought Stephanie had excitement and energy so far, just wait for this next question because we are going to talk about one of your favorite things, probably people that follow you on Twitter. They know that you love picture books and that is straight to my heart because when I was a principal, I literally read picture books every single day to classes. So your favorite picture books to read with kids, just give us a list, Steph. Oh my goodness. I... Oh, there's just so many. I love <laughs> Yes, there I is. Think, I think that could be a whole separate episode, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Maybe like a whole podcast just on that. Um, I uh, I really love, um, it's called Nigel and the Moon hmm. by Antoine Eady. That book, oh my gosh, the illustrations are beautiful. The message is glorious. Um, and uh, if you're not familiar, John Shu, uh, he is um, used to be an ambassador for school librarians. He's written several books himself. Um, but he actually was at a conference and he gifted me this book because he said it was a perfect book for principals to read. Mm -hmm. And I could not agree more. Um, it's just glorious. And it really just talks about the power of a voice of ownership in the classroom and letting kids, no matter where they come from and what they they love giving them the opportunity to, to find that within themselves. So definitely if you're a principal, you need that book in your library. Um, I've been really big in having picture books this year for when kids come to my office and need to regulate their emotions. Mm -hmm. We read a picture book together. Yeah. Um, and I, it's called stop and smell the cookies. Mm -hmm. It's genius. The author's escaping me at the moment, but it's all about, um, this, this boy who is, oh, he's driven by motor. He's all movement all the time. And it walks through different strategies for how he can find his calm. So if you're looking for a book, that's a wonderful one. Um, alpha breaths is another one. For each letter of the alphabet, it gives a different type of breathing exercise that students can do. And there's funny little cartoon animals, and it's just really relatable for your younger, more primary um, students. The other one, I have one more, which I think is, I love when um, nonfiction can be in picture books because I think it makes it that much more attainable for readers. Um, I recently read All the Way to the Top, How One Girl's Fight for Americans with Disabilities Changed mm. Everything. And it's by Jennifer Keelan Schaffens, I believe is how you pronounce it. And it's a nonfiction true story um, picture book. And I read it to third and fourth graders and you could hear a pin drop. Wow. They were on the edge of their seats for how this student advocated for the right to, she was in a wheelchair and she advocated for the right for her school to be more accessible to everyone, including herself. Um, so those have been my top 
go-to books this year. Very cool. Those are three new ones that I don't know either. So I will, uh, I'll definitely add those to my list. Stephanie, if you could choose one person alive or dead to spend the day with who is not a family member, who would it be and why? And I was, I was ready for this question because I knew it was coming. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to go a little rogue here, if you're okay, okay. with that. Um, you, you. I, <laughs> um, I, I'm actually going to pick Ted Lasso. And uh -oh. I know he's fictional. I've never so, seen an episode of that show. Oh I my know. goodness. I so know. From a leadership standpoint, and I waited to watch it because I'm, I'll be super honest, soccer is not my jam. Um, and <laughs> I just was not interested. But from a leadership standpoint, it is, it's phenomenal because his whole thing is he's a football coach who goes to the UK to teach soccer hmm. and he doesn't know a thing about football, but he knows how to coach and he knows how to build relationships. And from a school leader perspective, I think the single most important thing I can do is build relationships with every member of my community. So I loved that he maybe didn't have the most experience in what was being done, but he had enough experience to build relationships, to build a positive culture and climate that then can help them be better in what they do. And for me, as an elementary, as more of an elementary background, going into a K-8 building, I'll be honest, it was terrifying because I, <laughs> I, I've learned a lot of things about middle school, I'll tell you that, but I, I just really related to someone going into the unknown, but I know how to relate with people. I know instructional practices. I know how to make kids love learning. I can do this. Mm -hmm. um, so even if it has to be Jason Sudeikis playing Ted Lasso, like I would take that. Um, I just would love to just sit down with someone who focuses on relationships and that positive culture and climate. Yeah, I know that I need to watch that. My wife has mentioned it. We have it. They were just at the White House. They were talking yes. about mental health, I think, um, with some of the cast on there. And, you, you know, you think about it like relationships are relationship. People are people. Kids are kids. Leadership is leadership. So, you know, it transcends kind of probably whatever uh, industry on some level that you're in, uh, you know, those themes uh, definitely, definitely run through. And I like that unexpectedness because I didn't go into watching that show feeling like I could make connections to my job and education. But <laughs> I, I tell you what, I immediately, I was hook, line and sinker in. And I just, I, I think it's, it's wonderful. Highly recommend. All right. I'm going to have to go check that out. Stephanie, a huge part of this podcast is just amplifying the voices of my guests. So I'm just going to pass the microphone over to you. This is your first podcast. Everybody listening, Stephanie is absolutely crushing it. But what would you like to say to all the people that listen to this podcast? Oh, oh my goodness. I, I think something that's really important is a leader's job is to share their calm, not join the chaos. That has been, a, a, it's a quote that's hanging up in my office. It kind of helps me get through the day because I think sometimes as a leader, people bring the bag of monkeys to you, right? They dump things on your plate. Here, it's your turn to fix it and, and you need to do this. But And it's easy to get caught up in the drama, to get caught up in all of that. And I think it's so important for us to, it's not that we're not going to address it, but we need to give them back their calm, give them back their let's find a moment, let's pause. And that for me has been such a huge um, piece. Uh, the other thing I'd like to say is that readers thrive when they're surrounded by a supportive reading community. So anything you can do to 
talk about books, read books, showcase books. I, I think it's so important, even if it's as simple as reading at lunchtime. Like I think kids need to know that I'm a reader too, and that I love to talk about books and that conversation, it's not, it becomes not just about books anymore. It becomes developing relationships and building rapport and building that student up to maybe explore a book they haven't before, which is, that's what we do. We want them to love to learn and and have all this book joy. So I think those are two things that have, uh, have become a big part of my journey and a big part of who I am that I try to then, um, push out to my, my school community. Yeah. I think other than relationships, books are the best investment that we can make in the lives of kids. Stephanie Joy Pitzer, Stephanie yes. Pitzer <laughs> on Twitter. So much fun. I, I've been waiting for this one. Me and too. <laughs> just like my expectations have been, been exceeded your personality, your energy, your mojo. Uh, you just, you make me smile, my friend, oh, thank just you. <laughs> hearing you talk about kids and, and, and educators and schools, the future is bright in Illinois with Stephanie at the helm of a school. I can't wait to see what the next 5, 10, 15 years uh, are for you. Uh, So many amazing things to come. Everybody listening, thank you for all that you do. And I hope that you have an absolutely amazing day.